Well, praise the Lord for God's amazing grace. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Some of the most exciting verses of Scripture that you'll ever read. Found in verse 8 and following. If you were to ask the average person, when is the most joyful time of the year? The average person would probably would say Christmas. I'm like a kid. I get excited when I see lights and I see a Christmas tree. And I especially get excited when I see Christmas presents. (laughs) What a joyful, joyful time of the year. In fact, we even sing a Christmas carol, something to that effect. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And then, of course, we sing those songs such as, This tis is the season to be jolly. And certainly that is true. A joyful, joyful time of the year. Why is that? Well, we are going to read and discover that, of course, found in the Scriptures. Would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's holy word? Luke chapter 2. Verse 8. Now there went out, were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Oh, praise God. Father, thank you for that very first Christmas gift. The gift of all gifts. Your only begotten son. Thank you that we can come and we can celebrate, and to know the meaning of that brings joy to our hearts. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to minister and to teach us and to speak to us in the next few moments in this special hour. And Lord, may our hearts will go forth rejoicing and celebrating The fact that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We praise you. Anoint us. Fill us with your spirit. And may the Christ that we serve will be honored and adored. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Joy to the world. Immediately you recognize that hymn. Isaac Watts in 1719 wrote that hymn. 
And I find it very interesting that as you listen to that song, that really only the first stanza speaks of Christmas, where it says that the Lord is come. All the other stanzas doesn't speak concerning Christmas. It doesn't say anything about shepherds. It doesn't say anything about Mary and Joseph or even the baby. It doesn't say anything about a manger or the wise men. But yet it has become one of the most celebrated and one of the most songs that we sing at Christmas time. Joy to the world. Because in essence, that's what it's saying to us of what Christmas is all about. That it brings joy. Why, even the angels spoke of that in verse 10. Notice what he says. And I bring you good tidings of great joy. Joy. My friend, why is that so special? Well, he tells us there in verse 11, for he says, I bring you good news. Good news. My friend, there's something special about that verse of Scripture in verse 11. You'll notice something in that verse that you won't find anywhere else. All three words, Christ, as well as Savior and Lord, is put all together. What a beautiful statement. When you begin to think about the Christ, the Savior, and the Lord, Immediately, that brings joy to the heart of a believer. That brings joy when we think about that he came into this world. I want us to look at that joy for a few moments. And I want you to first of all notice the birth. Here, the Christmas is the joy of the birth of a son. Now, births usually do not get a lot of attention. I mean... I I find it so intriguing and exciting when I walk through the hospitals as we visit, and then all of a sudden there's a lullaby that goes off on uh, on those speakers, signifying and saying there's a baby just been born. A smile usually comes to my face and joy comes into my heart to think here is a person that's just been born, and they have their whole life awaiting them. But normally we don't think a lot about births. More people today are more concerned about stocks. They're more concerned about taxes, more concerned about sickness and war, the economy, concerned about the wall. (laughs) Concerned about the Senate and the Congress. We sometimes don't give a lot of thought about births. But the Bible says 2,000 years ago, a baby was born. And it was just not any baby. But this baby was going to shape The entire world, the destiny of the entire world. 
It says there in verse 12, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. This was just not an ordinary birth. But oh, my friend, this was the birth of the Son of the living God. Now, notice what the shepherds was told to look for. They were not told to look for a king on a throne. They were not told to look for an angel on a cloud. They were, not, they were told to look for a baby in a manger. Not to go to a palace. Not to go to a mansion. But to go to a stable the Bible says. Would he be surrounded by servants? No. He would be surrounded by sheep. Would he be lying in a beautiful bed? No. He would be lying in an animal's box. Would he be living in the palace of a king? No. He would find that his home was a stable of a cow. Would he be wrapped in a velvet comforter? No. He'd be wrapped in swaddling cloths, common, ordinary rags. Think with me for a moment. The Son of God, there lying in that manger. But you know what? Just like any other baby, there was things he had to learn. Think with me for a moment. A sovereign God, a holy God, he had to learn how to eat. He had to learn how to walk. He had to learn how to take care of himself just like any other person here. One poet wrote one time, he says they were all looking for a king to slay their foes and lift them high. Thou camest a little baby thing that made a woman cry. And then another unknown poet wrote this, a baby's hands in Bethlehem were small and softly curled but held within their dimples grass the hope of the world. The reason why Jesus came in human flesh was come to be able to come to a man and a woman in likeness like you and I, that he might raise us up to become like him one day. Oh, Christmas brings joy, does it not? In the hearts and the life of a believer. I read one of the most incredible stories that I have ever heard of in my life. It was a story of a young lady at the age of 16 she found out that she had a terrible 
terrible thing called leukemia. This leukemia, the doctors had told that she was going to have to find somewhere a mate to be able of to match her bone marrow. Unfortunately, no one in her household matched the bone marrow because it says that if that bone marrow is not matched and transplanted, that she would die within five years. How terrible. Her mother and dad would not give up. They searched the whole nation of trying to find someone that would match that bone marrow, and they could not. The doctor said that the best possible chances for a bone marrow to match is a sibling. She only had one brother. His name was Aaron. Unfortunately, the bone marrow did not match. Her mother and dad did something that they stepped out on faith of doing that it seemed like an impossibility. They decided they were going to have a child. Now, you must understand the circumstances of this situation. The father had already had a vasectomy. And therefore, he was going to have it reversed. And they said, chances of this ever happening that he would ever father a child was about 40%. The mother was 43 years of age. Being at that age, the doctor said is the possibility of her ever getting pregnant would be a possibility of about 10 to 15%. But they decided to have a child. Believing that that child would be able to have a bone marrow that would match their oldest daughter. Now, remind you, several years had come by this time, and she, the young girl that who had leukemia, had only five years when it was diagnosed, and now it's almost four years in the making. Lo and behold, that woman became pregnant. And she had a child, a little girl. And there at birth, they inserted a needle in the umbilical cord to see whether that stem cell would match. To their surprise, it did. But they had to wait because that infant was not strong enough or old enough for that bone there to be taken from her. At the age of 14 months, there that little child laid upon an operating table and the doctor took a one-inch needle inserted it into the hip of that little infant. And there that little child gave the bone marrow 
that would be placed into the life of her older sister who was dying with leukemia. Remarkably, miracles above all miracles, it matched. And that was in the year of 2000. And that young girl that had the leukemia is cancer-free. What a miracle. That little baby was born to give life to her sister. Well, my friend, I've got something better, better news than that. We had a baby that was born 2,000 years ago. He was born to cure the cause of a cancerous sin, to give life. And he gave it for you and gave it for me. Oh, my friend, I want you to understand that this is so wonderful, that when Jesus Christ, when he was born, he came to become one of us, to understand us, and to identify with us. I read a story one time about this little boy, little baby, and his, uh, I can appreciate it because it speaks about the grandfather. And the grandfather walked in the room, and there as he walked in the room, the little boy, which was probably about the age of two, he was standing up in the, uh, in the playpen, holding up his hands and said, Papa, Papa, come and get me. Well, immediately, that grandfather started to reach down and pick up that little, little fella. And then about that time, the mother walked in the room and she said, Oh, no, Johnny, you're there to be disciplined. And she looked at her dad and she says, don't you pick him up. (laughs) Well, the grandfather, (laughs) Papa was in a predicament. His love was so overwhelming that he wanted to pick up that little child. But at the same time, he knew he had to respect the discipline of the mother. So he thought for a moment and he decided this. He climbed inside the playpen with the little boy. My friend, that's exactly what Jesus did. The father said, sin must be judged. But God, the son said, oh, let me go unto them. And let me identify with them. Every heartache, every trial... Every difficulty that you have ever experienced, it resonates in the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. He identifies with us. But Christmas is not only the blessing of a Savior, I mean the the birth of a son, but it's also the blessing of a Savior The Bible says in verse 10, For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Now, why was this such good news? Well, the angel explains it in verse 11. Look what he says. For there is born to you this day in the city of David 
a Savior. A Savior. Old Testament word, Savior, describes a deliverer. Describes as one that delivers another from his enemies. My friend, the enemy is sin. The enemy is death. The enemy is the grave. The enemy is the judgment called hell. And yet the Bible reminds us that he is a savior to come and to rescue us and to defeat the enemy. To defeat. What a tremendous word when you go into into battle. To defeat. I can almost imagine, can you not, as Jesus Christ there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there as he was praying, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Can you imagine the battle that he was experiencing on your behalf and my behalf? face to face with the enemy. Can you imagine there upon the cross, there as he was nailed between two thieves, the raging battle of the enemy of death, and yet hearing him cry out, it is finished. I commend my spirit into thee, Father. Oh, the deliverer that he came as a babe to become our Savior. The Bible even reminds us that only God and God alone can be be Savior. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 11, I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me, There is no Savior. And then, of course, in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 26, listen to these words. All flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer. That's a good place for an amen. Amen. I am your Savior and your Redeemer. The Apostle John understood that quite well when he said there in 1 John chapter 4, verse 14, and we have seen and testified that the Father had sent the Son as Savior of the world. Even the angel said to Mary when he gave the announcement that she was going to have a child, In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, listen to this. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. For he is the one that will save his people from their sins. An unknown source put it this way. 
If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need was entertainment, God would have sent an entertainer. If our greatest need was money, God would have sent an economist. Oh, no, no. But our greatest need is forgiveness and cleansing. And so, therefore, he sent a Savior to save us and to forgive us and to cleanse us and to make us just like him. Oh, what a Savior. We praise him today. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become, listen to this, the righteousness of God in him. Who can imagine you and I being righteous? But through the Lord Jesus Christ, when he came into our lives at that newborn experience, he brought with him the righteousness of a holy God and imputes that righteousness into our lives. And that's the reason we can come boldly before the throne of God and have communion with him. Without that righteousness, my friend, you would be separated for all eternity. But he imputes that righteousness. But last of all, I want you to notice that Christmas is joy because of the beauty of a sovereign. Sovereign. Oh, a little baby lying in that manger. Can you imagine? Not just a baby, but a Savior. And not just a Savior, the Messiah. To all Jews and Gentiles. But not just a Messiah. But think with me for a moment. A sovereign, holy God. The Lord, the title of the Lord is used over 9,000 times in the Old Testament, primarily in reference to two names that you're familiar with, Yahweh and Jehovah. But the incredible news, Jesus, this little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, born in a stable. He is the Lord of the universe. The Lord of the universe. There is no comparison. My friend, I remind you, Christmas is not about Santa. It's about a Savior. Christmas is not about gifts. It's about grace. 
the grace of Almighty God. There's some practical lessons that we can learn here this morning. Jesus is the Son, the one that we can relate to because He's just like us. Jesus is a Savior. Therefore, we can respond to Him even though we're sinners. He will accept us as we are and change us to make us become just like Him. Jesus is a sovereign. That's how we must receive Him, that we receive Him not just as Savior, but we receive Him as Lord. Lord over our life. Lord over everything that is involved within us. I heard about this young man. He gathered all of his family together, his wife and his two precious little kids. And just like a coach, he says, we're going to make Christmas different this year. We're going to be more mindful of our spending and we're going to be mindful of our time and we're going to get along with one another. And boy, he was getting all pumped up, just like a football coach. And he said, and you know what? We're going to make this the very best Christmas we've ever had. And about that time, his little six-year-old raised her hand. She says, Daddy, we can't do that. He says, why not? He says, you can't improve the very first Christmas. Isn't that true? You can't improve. Jesus, he's the son. Jesus, he is the savior. Jesus, he's the sovereign. One that comes to give us life. Oh, my friend, I'm so grateful for Christmas. To know that that babe did not stay as a babe in that manger. But that babe grew to become a man. So that he loved me so much that he accepted me the way that I am. And yet he loved me so much that he would not allow me to stay the way that I was. But that he wanted to change me. And to become real in my life. My friend, you should be able to enjoy Christmas 365 days of the week, of the year. It is something that we as believers can truly rejoice about. Joy to the world. But my friend, I'm here to tell you, you'll never truly, truly understand what joy is all about until you first of all come to a point and a place to receive the Son of God, the Savior of your sins, 
the sovereign Lord of your life. I wonder if there's someone here today who would say, Pastor, Christmas is not joyful to me. It's just hustling and bustling, and it just seems like it's a madhouse. But what you said today made sense. And I want to receive that joy. And I want that joy of Jesus in my life.